Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we're giving you the tools to make a difference right now. Today, we are less than four months away from the most important election of our lives, and amidst a always tumultuous news cycle, we remain focused and resolved on the work we are all doing together. And joining us to talk about how grassroots volunteers and activists can and will make a difference this November is the new executive director of Swing Left, Yasmin Raji. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How We Win. I really went all in on announcing Yasmin because I know we have a lot of Swing Left volunteers listening, Swing Left volunteers and donors listening. And this is this is breaking news. It is. She's brand new and the search for the uh, new executive director has been going on for a while. Uh, we just finished our conversation with her and um, I have to say without reservation, I was extremely impressed and I'm very excited uh, for her to be taking the helm. We started this podcast with Swing Left. They're our besties. And so I'm excited to, to see what she does and, and how she takes an already really solid, great organization um, and uh, and keeps it humming along. So, Yeah, she um, is going to instill a lot of confidence and excitement in people when they listen um, to her in this interview talk about her background and, and her plans for the future. So stick around. We're going to hear from Yasmin in just a few minutes. But first, we want to talk about I, I love I love our our news of the week segment because it's very like big picture and also very like on the ground. Here's what we can do right now. And I think both of those things talking about them simultaneously is, is really helpful. Yes, absolutely. And um we said in our opening, it's been a tumultuous uh, news cycle for sure. Uh, you know, we're still all reeling from the Supreme Court decisions and the implications there, among many other things. Um, President Biden has recently uh, issued some executive orders to protect abortion rights uh, and women's health care. Most recently, he uh, just issued an order requiring U.S. hospitals to provide abortion care if it would save a mother's life, even if a re- uh, Republicans in a state ban it. Um, the federal emergency treatment law actually supersedes state law. So um, this is a really good and important executive order. Um and I appreciate him stepping up. He's been getting like a lot of people were sort of talking about how he should have been stronger from the beginning. It's only been a couple of weeks. And uh, and his response, I feel, has been strong and signing these executive orders and, and doing what we can right now to fight back against this. Uh, he also mentioned that he would um, – uh, be in favor of lifting the filibuster to pass um, abortion uh, rights laws in the Senate. We will all recall, or maybe we don't recall, but I'd like to remind everyone that the House did pass a bill codifying Roe over a year ago um, that hasn't been able to make its way through the Senate because of the filibuster, be- because of two uh, senators who uh, don't want to uh, get rid of the filibuster. So, um, 
once again the the stakes in um, in the midterms to get a couple more senators in there to be able to actually codify abortion rights to uh, be able to codify um, common sense gun laws and 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 everything is uh, the stakes couldn't be higher so that yeah, was a meandering think, statement about that but <laughs> well it, it it encompasses a lot which I think is important because you know by itself um, the order requiring hospitals to protect a person's life by if it's in danger um, by providing an abortion is um, it's an important statement to make um, but it's it's basically it's basically what would would happen everywhere. But I think we're in a we're in a place right now where, you know, until we're able to get some more numbers in the Senate, um, these yeah. these protections are going to be very small and piecemeal, and some of them are, are going to be symbolic. So I still haven't gotten out of the anger stage of my <laughs> grieving process That's as you fair. can tell um so i'm like I, i'm probably gonna say this every week not enough right um but but you know i guess i guess it's 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 something else um and you know it's important i think it's also it's just an important moment for people in power to say a person's life is important and people who can get pregnant aren't just vessels for for carrying babies. Yeah, so. you're right. Mm -hmm. And 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 that seems like <laughs> the bare minimum of a statement that you should make. It seems like one that wouldn't, you know, be a contentious statement. But uh, the horrific truth is Republicans don't feel that way. And they're actively uh, fighting uh, against a, a woman's right to have autonomy over her body. And uh, it's hard to wrap our heads around the reality of what's happening, but that's what's happening. So um, because that is the dark and horrific truth, um, we need our elected officials to be out there um, drawing their line in the sand, talking about what, what they're going to be fighting for um, and what we all need to be fighting for. And, uh, and that's all what, what is on the ballot, women's rights. Um, are, are under attack. The vote is under attack, uh, especially black and brown people are being disenfranchised. We need to stand up and keep working no matter what, no matter how, uh, how we feel, no matter how tired we are. I want to talk about uh, the California e-board meeting that I went to. Uh, Dr. Shirley Weber, who's our Secretary of State, spoke at a couple of uh, meetings that I was at, and she talks about the great equalizer of the vote and how very important it is. Um, everyone gets one vote. I get one vote. Donald Trump gets one vote. Elon Musk gets one vote. The dude down the street uh, working at the smoothie shop gets one, one vote. We all have one vote. And if we don't use it, if we don't show up and use the power that we have to affect change, and that is that vote, then we are giving it up. We are giving it up to the people who are taking away our rights. And I know it's cold comfort to talk about how important the vote is, and that seems like uh, there's more that we can do, and there and there is more that we can do. But I don't want people to uh, to get away from the importance of the midterms, 
and the importance of uh, using your vote and making sure that your friends and neighbors and everyone show up in a huge way because it truly is how we push back on this. It's how we write our laws. It's how we make Cinemansion less relevant. And um, oh, shit, I'm just going to say it. It's how we win. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I think is more valuable than the, you know, requiring hospitals to provide abortion care is incredibly important. Um, but I will say that the last week's um, executive order uh, had a, a, a point in it to protect contraception, which mm. I think that, you know, it feels like the sky is falling to say that contraception is the Republicans next target, but I think they were making it pretty clear that after Roe versus Wade being overturned for many of them, contraception will be the next target. And um, I can't tell you uh, how important it was when the Affordable Care Act passed that it made contraception easier to get and in many cases free. Um, as a as a woman, that was a big day for me. And so seeing that right protected and knowing that it's not going to get taken away, you know, fingers crossed, thanks to this ex executive order. Um, I just wanted to, you know, I, I had a, a thorn and now I just want to give a rose as well um, and, <laughs> right. and balance that out. So um, so you uh, had an important. incredibly. Yeah, you had an incredibly busy weekend. Um, tell us all the all the things that you did this weekend. Yeah, it's not really news, but it's our news. And I, I wanted to talk about it on the show because it's really important. Um, we had our California Democratic Party executive board meeting uh, this weekend in uh, downtown Los Angeles. And it was our first in-person uh, event since the pandemic, our first in-person well. meeting. Um, and it was weird. Uh, we had very uh, stringent, uh, you know, testing protocols and masking indoors and all of that just to be extra careful. Um, but when we were talking to Yasmin in the interview uh, that you all will hear sh shortly, she was talking about the importance of community in, in organizing and getting together. And, and uh, we talk about it all the time here. For the last few years since the pandemic has been going on, we've been organizing through Zoom and doing Zoom phone banks and trying to build some fun in these virtual forums and the sense of community in these virtual forums. And I, I remember doing, that, doing so many of those and saying, it's not the same, but we're trying to make it fun, but it's not the same. And finally being back in person, Man, it really isn't the same. It was so empowering mm. uh, being back with these uh, amazing, passionate activists, um, some who are new and, uh, and haven't been doing this for a long time, some who have, are, are civil rights leaders who have been leading the, the fight uh, for decades. And, um, you know, it just uh, it puts so much stuff in perspective. There was this sense of um, of 
I, I, joy kind of is the wrong word, but maybe it's not. I mean, you know, there was a lightness to being around each other um, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe it's that lightness of not feeling like you're shouldering this burden all on your own, of having mm-hmm. other people that are helping lift this work up with us. Uh, that's what you get when you have this sense of community, that we're all in this together and we don't have to carry this on our own. And, uh, and so that's the lightness that we had, um, some inspiring speakers. I mentioned um, our Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber. Katie Porter was there. Um, she's always great to hear from. We had an amazing canvas for Christy Smith. We had 83 people show up in the high 90s wow. uh, heat in Granada Hills, and we had buses going out to her to Katie, uh, Christy Smith and down to Katie Porter's to canvas. I mean, uh, it felt like a throwback. The enthusiasm was there. And um, I, I want to try to feed some of that to our listeners and get them excited about the work we have, you know, just shy of four months. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to get in community if you are able Um, start going out to some meetings, do it safely. Of course, I know that there's, uh, yet another, uh, variant out there, which is very contagious, you know, so I, I I want everyone to be safe, but this is the difference. This is, this is how we build relationships with each other, how we build strong organizing that carries us into the future. And, uh, and this is how we will get out there and talk to voters and win in November. So, um, Get out there. It's that's my news of the week. It's my reason for hope, and it's mm-hmm. my uh, to do list. All all into one thing. All the things. Um, was the canvassing part of the um, the e board meeting? Yes, it was. Well, it was both. We had a bus going from the e board meeting, going from um, LA Live, and uh, and brought a bunch of our delegates down to Canvas. And I was the bus captain for that, which was super fun. I got to do the on bus training, which I love doing. Oh my and gosh! It, it was it, nerd. Nerd. It was, <laughs> it was so the fun. Bus captain. I was the bus captain. Sucks. It was. That's important. That's an important no, position. Very... And you know it's important because it's a captain. It says captain on there. So the highest ranking person on on the charter bus. That's right. Um, <laughs> no. I was the boss of the bus. <laughs> Um, well, everybody knows you're an excellent trainer and, and training is incredibly important. Even, listen, even if you've canvassed before, I always encourage people to um, pay attention to the trainings because I always learn something new. I'm sure you will too. Um, I, look, and- li- I was dusting off the cobwebs. I'll tell you, like, yeah. like I said, it's been a minute since the pandemic to be out there, even just doing the training. I had to kind of pull up some old notes and, and, uh, and figure that stuff out. But, um, it was, you can always learn something new. <laughs> um, and I, and I love, I love that, um, part of the meeting was, was an action item. That's so smart. And I would encourage for everybody convening around the country this summer to make a, some sort of action, uh, voter contact action, part of your, your agenda. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Steve, you are my hero of the week Aww. for all, all of that good good work that you did. But that's not allowed. We, <laughs> you and I, are are out of the running for the hero of the week. So, uh, so who did who did you pick this week? 
I went into Texas once again to pull out our hero of the week and picked Brandy uh, Batone. And you actually tweeted about her, but uh, but I saw it. I saw this before. Sure. <laughs> she was uh, driving in the uh, carpool lane in the HOV, and she's a, uh, a pregnant woman. And she got pulled over for uh, being in the carpool lane, and uh, and she's fighting her ticket, saying um, because of the new Supreme Court law, uh, apparently her fetus counts as a person, so she should be able to drive in the carpool lane. And um, you know, I, love I don't, this lady. <laughs> I don't know if uh, if it will have any merit. Her case, I I think um, she'll probably get excused from from the ticket. You know, uh, that's likely. But um, but I just appreciate her uh, her creative way in bringing a lot of attention uh, again to the hypocrisy of this. Supreme Court ruling and and just being uh, being a fighter and um, you know she had to get her she had to pick up her kid she knew she couldn't be late to pick up her kid so she's like hey looks like I got two I got, people in I, the car with I me I got another person on board I, I got yeah. another person on board I'm gonna take the carpool lane so I love it Brandy you're our hero of the week amazing thank you for highlighting her brilliant brilliant story. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about this week's to-do list. We are about a week away from Operation Save Abortion. Uh, If you've been listening to the podcast and you heard the brilliant Liz Winstead um, talking about this, this is an activist day of training coming up on July 17th from our friends at Abortion Access Front. Um, They're going to give you everything you need, all the tools, ideas, actions to take in your community to help make good trouble out in these streets and uh, help save access to abortion. Go to operationsaveabortion.com to find out how you can get involved in this digital day of action. Um, You can you know, do it from the comfort of your home. You can invite a whole bunch of friends over to to join you and have a house party. Um, But just make sure you do something. And that's coming up on July 17th. That's right. I hope everyone joins in with that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, The second item that we are pushing every week, especially appropriate this week as we're talking to Swing Left's new executive director, uh, and that's to donate to our How We Win Fund. You guys, it's going great. So if you've already donated, then you know share it with some friends and family. Help us blow this up even more. Um, next week, I keep saying that we're going to have some exciting news about the the fund and some stuff we're doing around it. Next week, we're going to break that news. I promise it's coming. Ooh. But for right now, go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win. 100% of the donation goes to the candidates that need it the most. Takes all the guesswork out of where you're going to have the biggest impact. We are over $12,000 raised right now. Uh, and I'm so grateful to everybody. Let's keep it going. This is important. So let's get on it. It is all um, important. Um, uh, I already Captain mentioned, I already really oh, talked yeah. about my reason for hope. Which... I was going to say, Captain Steve, you, you <laughs> mentioned it earlier. Is there <sighs> anything you'd like to I add get, to I get you? a surge of, of like power through my veins every time someone calls me captain. Like I just love it so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I already talked about my reason for hope, which was all the great work that volunteers are, are doing. Uh, what's your reason for hope? 
Um, my reason for hope is the Ulster County, New York, I voted sticker contest. I saw um, <laughs> the winning submission came from 14 year old Hudson Rowan. He created it. So this is, this is going to be on the, I voted stickers that, that voters get on election day. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a neon spidery monster type creation that's like screaming i voted and we'll tweet it out so people can see the picture it's gorgeous and brilliant and disturbing <laughs> and and it really has it, it has captured how people feel about politics right now yeah. um and I am really glad that elections officials and vo voters in Ulster County were able to look at, Ro at Hudson's creation and see it for the, the metaphor and artistic brilliance that it is. And they allowed it to be part of the contest. It's bonkers looking. <laughs> they, they allowed it in, people voted for it and loved it. And, and now um, Ulster County voters will get to wear wear this little monster on their shirts with pride in November. I want it too. Hopefully it'll be available <laughs> to uh, voters outside of there too. But <laughs> It really does capture how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I love that reason for hope. I love that sticker. Um, coming up next, we'll hear from Yasmin Raji, the brand new executive director of Swing Left. Yasmin Raji recently served in the Biden-Harris administration as Senior Advisor for Recovery Program Outreach at the U.S. Department of the Treasury. She also served as National Political Director at Planned Parenthood Action Fund and Director of Organizing and Training at Planned Parenthood Action Fund and Planned Parenthood Federation of America. She began her career as an organizer for, in the uh, 2008 Obama campaign in Ohio, and we are very excited to announce that she is the new executive director of Swing Left. Yasmin, yeah. Yasmin, thank you so much for being here and congrats on the new gig. Thank you. Thank you. I am really excited to be here, especially as I've been uh, listening to this podcast as part of my electoral therapy over these many years. So thank you all for what you do. <laughs> Honored. Glad we could help. We all need a, a lot of therapy right now, I think. <laughs> Amen. Very true. Um, and this, this is like, this is like uh, how we win exclusive. You, you just started. <laughs> yes, this is my very first interview and this is day two on the job. So there's no better place uh, that I would like to be spending my time than with you guys. Well, Amazing. let's start with some dirt on your uh, new uh, co-workers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Um, actually, we, we want to start, we want to go back um, because as you know, we, we like to hear a little origin story from people sometimes. And uh, so I want to know a little bit more about you. How did you get started as an activist? You have an interesting background. Your folks immigrated from Iran and you were born and raised in California. Uh, what were your first experiences as a volunteer or in politics? Yeah, so uh, like you both, I'm a Californian, um, and uh, you know, I grew up in uh, a such a democratic community that I remember there was one Republican in my high school who wrote an op-ed about how she felt very alone uh, being the one Republican. So I just, you know, I grew up in a in a very progressive community uh, in the Bay Area, 
And my family talked about politics at the dinner table, uh, as I think every Iranian American family does, because politics is so much of the kind of air that we breathe. Mm -hmm. But um, all the issues that I really cared about growing up, um, the local issues of inequality in our healthcare system and in our schools and, um, you know, the sort of lack of investment in, in communities of color uh, in the community that I lived in, those to me didn't seem like political questions. Those felt like ways to sort of get involved through community service or to, um, you know, read a lot about how, where these, you know, issues came from, but not really, I didn't really see electoral politics as a, as a related vehicle to anything that I cared about until the 2008 presidential election. Um, I was in college and a bunch of my friends sort of called me in and said, you know, you're doing a whole lot of complaining about how the system is broken <laughs> and how, you know, there's no way to do anything. And instead of, you know, reading your next, uh, big book about why everything is so messed up. Why don't you come with us to an Obama rally and actually come and volunteer um, with us to help, you know, elect this guy. Nice. And uh, I went very reluctantly. And, um, and that day was sort of the beginning of a conversion process of really seeing that even in the very blue community that I came from in Northern California and where I was living in Philadelphia, so many of the things that I cared about um, were directly related to, as you all know, and that you breathe this and live this every day, but the decisions that were made by, um, you know, state legislatures um, and even in a bigger way, especially in California, by the Congress. And I just had not connected the dots to how much that made a difference in my life. And so I fell in love with organizing on that campaign and I've been organizing ever since. Um, that campaign is known for, you know, introducing a lot of young people to this sort of evolved method, evolved and effective method of organizing. Mm -hmm. uh, is it something, that, what you learned there, is that something that has carried, that you've carried with you throughout your career? Absolutely. I mean, I think um, it, it was a, a perfect storm of all of the great things on that campaign. We had a candidate that we were really, really, really excited about. And the campaign was centered, as you said, on real deep organizing and coming out of a tradition of organizing that, um, you know, is, is not necessarily brought into the electoral space as much as it was uh, in that particular cycle. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, of course, I loved Obama and I loved organizing for him. But what really um, was a, a sort of revelation for me was that people who were leaders in their communities, I was working in a a part of the state that had been, it was a mix of uh, the former glass capital of the country that had been left behind um, as you know deindustrialization happened, then some pretty rural communities that were also struggling a lot. Mm -hmm. And to see um, you know leaders in their communities who were the head of their church choir or they were you know a really trusted uh, person who was you know someone that other farmers would go to when things were really tough to sort of figure things out together. Those are folks who didn't view themselves as political people and mm -hmm. to see their skills, their talents, their networks, um, all of that invested in by a campaign mm -hmm. and, and really believed in. And for that to then be what made the difference in an election is investing in those folks and, and just sort of teaching them to translate existing skills and talents into public space. Mm -hmm. That to me was the most um, sort of energizing and inspiring thing that I took away from that campaign. And that's why after that, I wanted to um, keep organizing. So I didn't sort of follow a lot of my campaign friends to DC. I wanted to learn sort of what is this organizing tradition that really invests in leaders in the long term. And quite frankly, Swing Left to me is a continuation of that organizing tradition of seeing the change in this country being centered on 
the grassroots leaders who have those skills, those talents, those networks, and maybe haven't translated them into politics, but can easily do so just with a little bit of help on here are the races to target and here are the kind of tactics to use. Um, and so I'm just really excited to, for me, it all feels like an organizing journey and Swing Left is uh, is the next step on a, on a journey of how to scale all of that work. Yeah. yeah. When when you were describing that, uh, it, it really sounded like Swing Left when it first started too. And, and the, the mm-hmm. special sauce of people from outside of politics who were just had passion and new ideas, you know, converging with experienced organizers and... Um, uh, you know, it took a while to build uh, build that ship as as we were sailing it back in 2017. Um, but the you know listening to each other uh, created um, and and following that that really the Obama Marshall Gans Buffy Wicks model of, of organizing really? you know um, uh, really created something great. So it's uh, it's fun to to hear you talk in those terms. It sounds like you're going to carry on a, a really great tradition here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the things that's most inspiring to me about a lot of places are doing organizing. Uh, as you said, I think the Obama campaign introduced a lot of folks to organizing um, and so many organizations and movements um, have either continued their own organizing tradition or have integrated organizing into it. But I don't I, there are very few organizations, you know, that do what Swing Left does in terms of building that small D democracy as much as the big like let's go win some elections. You know, I, I, in the 2017 election in Virginia, I met a lot of swing left chapters in the DC metro area. And I was just really inspired, not just by the actions they were taking, but like how they were setting up their meetings, how they were determining how they would, you know, choose their chapter leader or how they would divide and conquer the work. And that stuff to me is as important for the long game of winning uh, as the knocking on doors and flipping seats. Um, And that's why I think so many of the swing left groups around the country have sustained. And that's really, to me, the, the sort of special sauce of what makes swing left really different from a lot of other places. Um, you mentioned that you, you, you didn't follow a lot of your colleagues to DC right after the Obama campaign, but you did end up there eventually. I did. <laughs> I got trapped. <laughs> you got sucked in. Um, yep. and, and at the Biden administration, you led outreach efforts supporting the implementation of American Rescue Plan policies, including the child tax credit um, and emergency rental assistance, among many other things. Uh, this must have been so challenging, but very rewarding. Why did you decide to make that transition from doing that rewarding government work back to electoral activism? Yeah, you know, I, uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And for me, so much of my career has been um, being an advocate uh, and an organizer on the outside and sort of pushing either candidates or elected officials to be better and to, to go further uh, on whatever issues um, mm. uh, we're working on in the moment. And I was sort of, um, you know, all of the big hopes and dreams of what I hoped one day would be possible in uh, if we won a the presidency and we won the Congress and we had also done the organizing to sort of change the conversation about what's possible. Mm. To me, it was when would be the time where we could show that government can have a giant and transformative impact on a huge scale that touches people's lives. And I felt like the American Rescue Plan was that sort of beginning of that moment that we continue to be in of like 
my imagination for the American Rescue Plan was a like hope and dream and college paper, maybe, you know, like years ago. <laughs> and all of a sudden to see that, you know, I went into the administration ready to, if I needed to use my elbows to kind of push folks, I'd be happy to do it. And I was looking around at my policy colleagues who dedicated their careers to some of the most progressive visionary policy work. And then those were the folks within the administration working on the implementation. So it was just for me, like a total revelation to see we've got the right people, we've got the right minds, we brought advocates, not just into staff jobs into the, you know, the administration, but also advocates were coming in all the time to meet with us in the treasury department to figure out how do we better serve tribal communities? How do we better serve, you know, communities that have been left behind of the housing uh, sort of, you know, not just crisis in this moment, but the housing conversation for so long, all of that work was happening. And yet, you know, a lot of my colleagues were beating their heads up against the wall because in states like Pennsylvania, we'd be sending, you know, billions of dollars to go do big things for Pennsylvanians in crisis. Mm -hmm. And this Republican state legislature, you know, wanted to just sit on those funds rather than put them in the hands of the people who are whose families are in a moment of real crisis and have been since the beginning of this pandemic, because they're like, you know what, we're going to have a Republican governor in just a few months. Let's just wait till Governor Wolf is out and we'll have a Republican that we can work with. And so for me, as I looked around, I was like, you know, the, the policy minds are the right folks who are at the table in this administration, but they are not dealing with the landscape that's going to let them do the big, bold things because they're getting blocked in the legislatures. And I mean, you all know this uh, as well as, as I do from what we're li- living every day, but our majority is so slim in the Senate that we just lose you know, one vote here and there, and then we can't get big things done. And so right. for me, it was like, we just need better math, and then we can worry about the sort of how to how to push the better policies. Better math is a is a very nice way of saying we need to make uh, mansion and cinema less relevant. But <laughs> <laughs> with fifty two seats, so much is more possible than fifty seats. Yeah, um, I want to talk about uh, an interesting credit on your resume. You co-founded the Resistance School, uh, which is a free digital training program for civic engagement and community organizing. I've been familiar with this work since 2018. Um, I mentioned Marshall Gans earlier. Uh, For our listeners who don't know who he is, he uh, organized with uh, the farm workers um, and Dolores Huerta. Yeah, he's a legendary organizer and he uh, is credited with working alongside the Obama campaign to develop that organizing snowflake model and house parties and all that kind of stuff. And he's a professor at Harvard. I probably was one of your professors, I would assume. Or, um, right. He was yeah. one of our early advisors on resistance school and really key to, to helping us do the organizing work on campus to get things like classrooms booked up for it. So he was critical in our whole organizing <laughs> strategy uh, yeah. from day one. It's a really cool site, and we were there with um, my colleague Saskia Young, who was running Swing Left Academy. We did a live streaming event with Marshall Gans and and met with one of the co-founders with you. of Connor uh, Hand? Connor, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So anyway, that's uh, that's history, Um, but, uh, you know, you were also training director at Planned Parenthood. I love training. I think it's really important to the work we do. Um, how important is training in grassroots organizing? And do you have any plans to scale up training resources for swing left volunteers as we truck along here? 
I mean, for me, training is everything in being an effective organizer. You know, like we talked about earlier, um, so many people have incredible skills that they don't recognize as skills. Some of the best leaders um, in the communities that I've worked with don't identify as leaders. They're just like, well, I'm just doing the work and I'm just calling my friends and I'm, you know. And so I remember there was um, someone that I met, uh, a woman named Tammy, uh, who lives in New Jersey, who we met through resistance school training uh, back when we first started. Uh, and like you said, you know, we started this as students at the Kennedy School where I was getting my master's. We worked with our professors. We worked with our sort of network uh, to put these free trainings online and got a bigger flood of support, just like, you know, Swing Left and Indivisible and so many of these organizations. Um, we got the bigger flood of support than we imagined, except we did not have the ability to turn into the kind of big organization that places like Swing Left and Indivisible were able to. Um, but this, you know, this woman, Tammy, I think is to me an example of this sort of cycle of organizing that began, began there. She'd never been involved in politics before. She signed up for uh, a training, invited a few of her friends from her local community over to her house to watch it. None of them felt like they had any sort of quote unquote skills uh, in this space. They listened in on the training. They started getting involved. They're in Andy Kim's district. They started organizing for the 2018 election, knocking on doors, et cetera. And they're like, well, we're not leaders. So we're just going to do this thing. It'll be small. It'll be whatever. And uh, fast forward, I met Andy Kim through a lot of this kind of early organizing. And he was telling me a story about um, how the highlight of his campaign was one day, right around Christmas time, he was invited to come to a brew pub by this woman named Tammy and her friends who said, we want to put together a small fundraiser for you. We've never done anything like this. He came because they'd knocked on a lot of doors and he couldn't find parking. There was no parking in the parking lot. There was no parking anywhere. He said, man, there must be an event going on. I don't know. You know, what's, I guess it's Christmas time, whatever. Um, and so he, you know, kept on looking and looking, and looking, he shows up to this brew pub and the entire place was packed with volunteers for him. So he was just like, this is the craziest thing that I've ever seen. Oh, wow. this is, you know, well, this is like a year out from an election and they are organizing something that is taken over an entire community. And, you know, my reflection from that is Tammy and her friends probably didn't need training in the sense that like, they already know how to organize. They needed training as that kind of first step to be like, oh, you know, doing a one-on-one -on -one meeting or a house meeting or going out and knocking on doors. These are things that I can do. And then I have an entire sort of lifetime of experience that makes it sort of relevant, uh, that, that is relevant to making this happen in the political space. And then they, you know, they're active with Swing Left. They became active with Planned Parenthood. They were active in their community and they, A, were critical to winning that election, were the highlight of Andy Kim's entire campaign in, in the way that he told it. Um, but also, um, you know, to me, it was just like a reminder of how much is possible um, if we just have like the door is open uh, to try something out for the first time. And we invest in people who have those skills and those networks like Tammy did and Tammy does. Amen. Um, helping someone say to themselves, I can do this is just hugely valuable. And, and like all you of said, it, really, yeah. it, it's, it's all of it, because if you have if you have friends or neighbors or family, then you've already got your, your network right there. That's all we want um, our listeners to, to know, by yeah. the way, is that they can do it and they can make they an can impact. I mean, that's all of it. Yeah, totally. Um, we can edit this question out if it, if it's too soon. <laughs> I, I know this is only your second day, but like, what's your dream vision for swing left coming up? What, what are you, what are you looking forward to doing? 
I mean, for me, um, the bones of what swing left is, um, are amazing and are what I want to just double down on, right? Like this is an organization that from day one has been about how do you transform our politics and change the balance of power by investing in grassroots leaders, right? Like that has been from day one. And until today we've changed what kinds of races we worked on. First, it was just the house. Now we're, you know, also including Senate governors, state legislators, but that the kind of special sauce is grassroots donors and grassroots volunteers are how we will change this country. And so for me, my vision is how do we double down on that in a way that is sustained over time, right? Like Swing Left has outlasted so many organizations that came and then sort of like lived for a, a cycle or two cycles and played a really critical role. But Swing Left, I think, has the, the possibility of becoming uh, the central institution for where all grassroots sort of uh, electoral activity can sort of live out of. And so for me, it's just like, how do we scale, scale, scale? And to me, the question there is, how do we sustain energy and momentum in cycles that are different and that are hard? Like, this is a very different cycle from 2018. The mood is different. We don't have, you know, we don't have a Donald Trump to fight against. We have many, many Donald Trumps in every mm -hmm. legislature in this country and yep. all over our Congress. Um, but it's just different. And so how do we, how do we keep that momentum and also you know, how do we keep people inspired? And that to me is, that's, I don't see there being like a strategic shift, but rather like a lot of experimenting on how we do that and how we maintain that, uh, that place in the ecosystem as the place for grassroots action over time and not just specific to a specific cycle. Well, that segues perfectly into the next question I was going to ask you, because, you know, we have moved from resistance to persistence and um, and we all know what the stakes are for the midterms. Um, so what like right now in this moment, which is, as you said, different than uh, than the 2018 midterms, very different. How can volunteers make the biggest impact right now? I mean, um, this is, as as you all know, um, in some ways it feels more urgent than 2018 because yeah. um, of just how far we've moved um, backward on any issue that any of us cares about, but particularly ones that I think many folks maybe took for granted, especially in blue states, things like our access to reproductive freedom. Um, so everything feels urgent and also for the, the folks who are listening and the folks in the Swing Left Network who've been organizing since 2016, it is understandable through a pandemic, through that many years of organizing to be tired. And so to me, it's uh, it's like first and foremost, figuring out what it is to take care of yourselves, to be able to, to have the, the resilience to, as you said, to turn that resistance to persistence for the long term, not just for this cycle. Right. And for this cycle, you know, the tactics remain all the same tactics from 2018 of going out and knocking on doors, closer to the election making phone calls, but also, as I know you all know, we've added letter writing into the, the sort of list of tactics that are incredibly high impact um, in the, the Swing Left Toolkit. So any of those, some may be more uh, energizing for some volunteers than others. And so sort of figuring out what your you know, persistence love language is, maybe that's letter writing from home, maybe that's going out and knocking on doors, maybe it depends <laughs> on the day of the week. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think any of those is important, but I also think it's for me, and I will say when I find that my energy is waning or my hope is waning um, and I'm starting to feel more cynical than, um, you know, ready for action, I 
immediately sort of spark back up when I actually get together with community. And so um, I think Swing Left has great forums for that in terms of the different groups, but meeting for coffee in person or getting together on Zoom to just chat for folks who are not able to get together in person and doing that work before taking action, at least for me, has been a really important um, way to sort of stay sustained because those relationships um, are are where I turn when I'm feeling a little bit cynical. Um, and remember that, you know, people are amazing and we, the more time we spend with them, uh, the more energy and hope uh, certainly I am able to find. Um, well, speaking of hope, <laughs> that brings us to, to our final question. And that is, um, what, el what else is giving you hope right now? You know, I think um, we talked a little bit about what tactics and ways people can jump in and get involved. It's been amazing to me. I know there's a lot of chatter about, you know, there's not the same energy as 2018 and so on and so forth. And I'm on day two. So I'm very new to all the swing left data, but I've pulled the data and talked to my colleagues. And the numbers of aggregate actions that are being taken now are on par with what we saw in 2018. So that gives me a lot of hope that maybe the national conversation is uh, uh, you know, one where there's a lot of doom and gloom, but with Swing Lab volunteers who are the kind of tip of the spear of actually putting that resistance to persistence and putting that, you know, not agonizing, but organizing, Swing Lab volunteers are really doing the work and they're doing the work in the same ways that they were in 2018. Um, and so that may not be as, um, as central to the national conversation right now, Swing left volunteers sort of don't care and they're just doing the work. That to me is is not just a source of hope, but the sort of the proof point that the small d demo democratic work that's happening is sustaining over time uh, and folks are uh, are ready to fight. Well, Yasmin, that's so great. That gives me a lot of hope. I, I want to take this opportunity to reinforce our How We Win fund that we're doing through Swing Left. And um, I, I'm so excited. We kind of soft rolled it out. I don't know if you're aware of this because it's only second day, but we've already raised over $12,000 on the Ooh, fund. Um, that's amazing. And uh, so thank you to all of our listeners. You go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win to donate. All of that money goes to these pivotal races to Swing Left's National Impact Fund. And um, and how else can people get involved with Swing Left? If you, if you do that, you get signed up for Swing Left too, by the way. But um, how else can people get involved with Swing Left? Folks can go to swingleft.org uh, and find uh, a target race near them and begin to get involved right away. Every day is going to count between now and Election Day, uh, and we are approaching the 100-day before Election Day mark. Whoa. So uh, sign up today. Great. Oof. I, I love a ticking clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Urgency. <laughs> That's helpful. Uh, Yasmin, it's been such a pleasure meeting yeah. you, Likewise. and I'm so, so exciting. I'm so excited that you are uh, going to be running things at Swing Left, um, and uh, I hope we get the chance to talk again soon. But thank you so much for joining us. Likewise, and hope we get to knock on some doors together soon too. Let's do That's it! Right. Thanks and congratulations. <laughs> thank you so much. everybody for joining us today this is how we win we win when we all get involved we would love to hear from you send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or send us a tweet at bluesboysteve at mariah underscore craven and of course 
at HowWeWinPod. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple or anywhere else that you're listening to this. Share us with your friends and help us build this community of informed and active volunteers. This is How We Win. Thank you so much for being here with us. We will be back with more, and I mentioned some exciting news about our fund that we're going to break. I promise you that's happening next week, I think. 90%. We'll be back with some more next Wednesday. See you then. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll be. Everything's up in the air. <laughs>